if you are with us today for the first time, I want to encourage you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 11 in just a moment. Jonah 4, verses 5 through 11. If you've not already discovered it, also inside your worship folder, there's a fill-in-the-blank listening guide to help you follow along as we study together. And we produce these each week. It's a way for you to keep track of your notes and to collect them in one place and to associate them with specific things that God was saying to you during a worship service. What happens here, ideally, is that God would speak to your heart, and that's our goal. And that's what we want to ask him to do each time that we gather together. So would you join me right now in praying and asking God to do exactly that? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that never gives up on us. Lord, we are looking and listening and waiting and desiring that you would speak to us. And for that individual that specially came here that needs a word from you, I pray that you would answer his cry or her cry this morning. Holy Spirit, would you anoint the preaching of your word and give us open ears and open hearts to receive it, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The title of this morning's message is Why God Pursues You. Why does God pursue you? And we've been studying through this marvelous book, and we're coming down to the final verses in the final chapter. So if you want to follow along, I'm reading chapter 4, and I'm beginning in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and, so, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? And it ends right there. And we're going to look at why it ends the way that it does, but it's kind of a curious ending because we don't know exactly what happened to Jonah. Jonah's the story, certainly, of a prophet who preaches to a city that was completely out of the will of God, filled with people who were lost, who were cruel, and it's a story of how a prophet went to that city and preached, and the whole city turned to God. But it's much more than a story about a local revival. It's a story of what happens to a man when he runs from God. 
And you and I, as we've kind of finished this, we need to pull together everything that we've learned to this point. When God pursues a man, what happens? When he comes after you, when he comes after me, what happens? Well, in Jonah's case, God sends a violent storm, a great fish, a shade plant that grows up over him, a a hungry worm that destroys the plant, and then a very hot desert wind. God sends all these things. What is God doing when he pursues Jonah? He is working in Jonah's circumstances to change him, to capture him. So what's going on in your life right now? What are your circumstances? Is God disrupting your plans with some kind of a storm? How are you reacting to the pressures in your life? Like Jonah, are you running away when those pressures come? Or are those pressures driving you to God? Do you feel like you're drowning and overwhelmed, much the way Jonah must have felt when he was drowning beneath the waves? What is God saying to you through your circumstances? Today I want us to learn from Jonah seven very specific ways that life falls apart when you and I run and we keep running from God. Um, This morning I brought with me a way of talking about the heart. And, um, you know, there's only so many ways you can talk about a heart. You know, you've got to bring up a heart. And, um, and so God has a heart. There are things that God desires, God intends to do. And his desires are very different than yours and mine because his are pure, his are perfect, his are absolutely good, his desires are right. And then there's my desires, your desires, our heart. And the way that God made you is that your heart would align with his heart in such a way that you would want what he wants, desire what he wants, and as a consequence of that, have the kind of abundant life that, that he planned for you in the very beginning, that he desired for you. Well, what tends to happen is sin enters the picture, and there becomes a gap between the heart of God and my heart and your heart. And the more that sin affects you and me, if I'm particularly a person who doesn't know God and doesn't know Jesus Christ and has has not received Christ through the gospel. My heart is in a great distance from God. And the things I want, the things I desire have been darkly affected by sin. But when he redeems a person, when he sets them free from sin and its mastery, when Christ comes in to the human heart, he begins to change what you want, change your desires. And increasingly, your heartbeat, as you grow, God's intent is that your heartbeat would begin to beat with the heart of God. None of us achieve that perfectly, but we sure can narrow the gap, can't we? And when we're running from God and there's great distance, well, the pursuit of God is all about this. The pursuit of God is all about bringing your heart and uniting it with his heart. That's what God's trying to do. That's what he is at work doing at this moment. As you study God's Word, as you listen in Bible study groups, as you go through your life through the week and you read God's Word, what is He doing? He's wanting to bring your heart in alignment with His. But what happens when my heart is out of sync with God? What happens when my heart is completely out of touch with who God is and what He wants? This is the story of Jonah, and this is very much your story and my story. 
There are at least seven ways his life falls apart and that our lives fall apart. Number one, when my heart's out of sync with him, I wander away from him. It's very simple. I wander away. In verse 4, we read this two weeks ago. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So how does he respond? Does he answer the question? No. Does he argue with God? No. Does he say anything to God? No. The, ver- the verse says, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. So Jonah's angry because God didn't destroy Nineveh, and he goes out of the city. Did God tell him to do that? No. He's completely disregarding what God might want. He's not even asked God what he wants. In fact, God asked him a question, and he's running, and the gap grows. He's just running again. Oh, God captured him with the great fish. God deposited him on the shore, gave him another opportunity to go to Nineveh. He did what he was told. He preached the message exactly the way God told him to tell it, but he is still running from God. He is resisting him. And as a consequence of that, he wanders away from the very place where God had told him to go. You know, when God chose an animal to best represent you and me in the Bible, do you know which animal he picked? You recall? A sheep. A sheep. Throughout the Scripture, particularly Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, Jesus talks about you and I being like sheep and him being a shepherd. And we are like sheep. Now, why did he do that? Because every one of us has a tendency to wander away from God. On our own, left to our own choices and our own decisions, we have a tendency to wander from him. This is what the prophet meant in Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Sheep, by nature, are not very smart. Preach. Uh, they are very dependent on what the shepherd says to them and how he's leading them and guiding them. They are defenseless from predators. And left to themselves, they will wander away. They'll wander off into the woods. They'll wander off into another pasture. They'll wander off into a very dangerous situation. And so just like sheep, the great distance that you and I suffer is a distance that we have created. And the greater the distance between us and God, and just like a sheep, when they're distant from the shepherd, the greater that distance, the greater the danger that you and I are in. What do you think happens when we wander away from the heart of God? What do you think we're exposing ourselves to? If the Bible's true and we're engaged in a great spiritual conflict, a life and death conflict that, that determines whether someone goes to heaven or someone goes to hell, what do you think happens when a sheep wanders away from the great shepherd? We're in incredible danger from demonic attack, demonic destruction, the evil one who wants to lie and kill and cheat and destroy your life when we wander from him. And then if we know him and we recognize what's happening, we can also see that God is pursuing us. And we've seen this as we've studied Jonah, but there's a correction that God brings into the life of his people. There's a remediation kind of a judgment where God brings you back to himself and he does things in your circumstances to get your attention and bring you back. Are you wandering right now? When you came here this morning, as you begin to think about Jonah and your life and your walk with God, are you wandering right now? Every time you make a decision without submitting that to the Lord, without praying to him, you are 
wandering. Every time you withhold decision-making from him, you keep those decisions to yourself, you are wandering away from him. How long has it been since you genuinely, honestly took a major step in your life and put it before the Lord and said, God, I just want to please you with this decision. I just want to do your pleasure at this moment. When you and I neglect the heart of God, the plan that God has for us, we wander from him. It's one of the things that happens as our life comes unraveled. There's a second thing. When my heart is out of sync with God, I I struggle with the will of God. I struggle with the will of God. Look again at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city. Now, was he supposed to do that? No. And sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Now, he already knows what's going to come of the city, doesn't he? He's already angry because God has forgiven the Ninevites who repented at the message that he preached. But he's not happy with that. He's not satisfied with that. He knows God's forgiven him, but he's struggling with him. Maybe, just maybe, I can go out there day 38, dirty 39, day 40, and on day 40 the judgment's going to come like I, I told them it would because God is going to keep his word. And I want him to do this. I want to see him do this. And he couldn't be any farther from the heart of God at that moment than what he's wishing on those people. If you're a Christian this morning, someone who follows Christ, you put your trust in him, you need to know that you do have the power to make your own decisions. But you do not have the right to make your own decisions. When you trusted Christ, you surrendered the right to make your decisions to Christ as Lord. And yes, you and I progressively learn more and more how to do that. But the decision has already been made. My decisions are not mine. He is the Lord of my life. When your heart is out of sync with his heart, nothing he wants is going to look good to you. It's not going to look good. It's not going to sound good. It's not going to be attractive when your heart is out of sync with his heart. It's going to look like you're giving up too much. It's going to look like you're losing everything and gaining nothing. And what God wants to do with you and me at that moment, when we're that way, is he wants to change our heart. He wants to do something inside us. He just doesn't want Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. He wants Jonah to feel what God feels for them. He wants to change the whole attitude. He wants Jonah to trust him so much that he embraces the will of God with all his heart. And that's what he wants to do with you and with me. There's a third result when my heart is out of step with God. And it's this, I bind my happiness to my circumstances. Verse 6, and the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. How quickly his mood changed. He was angry. He was running, and now, thank you, Lord, for this blessing of my plant. And he's very happy with the plant. God sent the plant to give him shade. Jonah's now happy. And immediately what you and I have to notice is that Jonah's happiness is controlled by his circumstances. There's only one problem with that. 
when your circumstances change, what happens to your happiness? It evaporates. And he's completely tied everything that's going to bring joy to him to his circumstances. Now, I want to say something. I want to make it really clear. God does want you to be happy. I know some, sometimes you may get this idea, this infection in the brain, that, that causes you to think that God doesn't want you to be happy, that, that, that God is just sitting up there uh, somewhat suspicious that you might be happy, and he's going to do something to cause you to be unhappy. And that's not true. Uh, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, over and over again said, blessed is the person who enjoys the kingdom of God, who has a certain relationship with God, who, who is pure in heart, who sees God. And what does that word blessed mean? It means happy. It means happy. And one of the things we're going to do in December as we enter the Christmas season is we're going to take up this concept of joy or happiness in your life and my life. And, and how do we obtain that? How do we sustain that? And we're going to study that in the next three Sundays. But today I would just say this. The secret of your happiness doesn't lie in your circumstances. It lies in your heart. Whether or not you're happy at this moment, it's a heart issue. And it has nothing to do with your circumstances. There is a way to be happy without any regard to what's happening around you. There's a fourth thing that happens when my heart is out of sync with God. Number four, I am easily discouraged. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Look at verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. Look at that. He was happy just a moment ago. Now he wishes death for himself, and he said, It is better for me to live than to die. Circumstances changed, didn't they? If you go back to chapter 2 when he was drowning and you read his prayer, he says, God, let me live. And then you come to chapter 4 and twice in this chapter, he says, God, let me die. This guy's emotions, they're all over the map. He has absolutely no emotional control because it's tied to his circumstances. And because of that, he's immediately and easily discouraged. Are you discouraged this morning? Are you experiencing discouragement in your life, and your heart, because of something that's happening around you? I don't know why you're discouraged. I don't know why it's happening to you. And there are a lot of things we could discuss at that point, but I know who can help you. I know who can help you. If you are struggling with that, I want you to jot down this scripture reference in your Bible or on your notes. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I want to read this to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. If there's a first step to take in your battle with discouragement, this is the step that you need to take. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. It won't be on the screen. Just listen. The writer says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You have a race. God has a plan for you, things for you to be, things for you to become, things for you to do. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't worry about somebody else's race. Don't worry about what God is doing with anybody else, whether they're being blessed or hurt or whatever your assessment is of, of who, what their race is like. Don't worry about their race. Just worry about your race. And then he says this. How do you do it? He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you think Jesus liked going to the cross? 
It was, it was what was on the other side of the cross that gave Jesus joy. And, and so he says, when you run your race, look unto Jesus. And then he says this in verse 3. For consider him. So in two verses, in one he says, look unto Jesus. In the next verse he says, for consider him. What does that mean? It means to think about Jesus, to gaze on Jesus, to watch Jesus, to listen to Jesus. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged, literally lose heart. You lose your heart, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. If you're discouraged this morning, you need to take your eyes, your attention, your focus off of your circumstances and put them on Jesus, on Jesus. Put your eyes, put your heart on Jesus. That's your first step. The first thing that you lose when you get discouraged, the first thing you lose when you become depressed is your sense of worship, your sense of awe, your sense of the presence of God. The first thing you need to get back is your sense of worship, your sense of Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling this morning, and that way, I don't know what's going to work for you, but let me give you some suggestions. You go home. If you have an iPod, you put those earbuds in your ear and you play music that praises Christ. Music that draws you to worship God. You take your Bible as many times a day as you need to. You pick up the Psalms, which are, which are words of praise to God. And you read the Psalms. And you read the Gospels about Jesus and how he dealt with hurting people, how he's dealing with you in this moment, and rethink and re-understand who Jesus is. But what do you need to do? You need to take your eyes off your circumstances, and you need to put them firmly on Christ, looking unto Jesus. Consider him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. That's step one. And when you and I, when our hearts are out of sync with God, when we don't cherish Jesus the way the Father loves Jesus, we're going to be discouraged. You're going to be discouraged. Number five, when my heart is out of sync with this heart, I'm constantly frustrated and angry. I'm constantly frustrated and angry. Some of you came to church frustrated and angry. Uh, I know that because I used to have little kids at home. Um, Maybe that's, maybe that's what made you frustrated. Maybe it was all the traffic and wind. I don't know. Um, in verse 9, it says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Do you stay angry about your circumstances? Your circumstances control your happiness. It can cause you to easily become discouraged when you fix all your attention on that. But, but the root of this unhappiness, the root of this discouragement is anger. You may never say it's God's fault, but typically your real problem is with God and what he's doing or what he's not doing in your mind. We blame our jobs, we blame our bosses, we blame our spouses, we blame our families, we blame our friends, we blame our enemies, but deep down you know that God can change your circumstances like that. Your issue is with God. Your issue is with him. And for some of you, it's keeping you from God completely. 
Uh, this may be your first time in church in a long time. I don't know. Or you may know someone who is like this, who's always asking the question, why did God do this? Why did God allow this? And you can come and sit in a pew every Sunday for the next 20 years, and you can still be angry at God. Some of the most angry people I know are Christians. I know a man right now, he doesn't go to church, he doesn't attend church. Uh, he's a friend. When he was a young man, his brother was killed in a tragic accident. And he became so mad, so angry at God because of what happened to his brother that he could never bring himself to go back to church. And, um, and you may be that way, angry at God, putting all the blame on him. And what's happening is you don't know the heart of God. You don't know how much he loves you. You don't know how much he grieves over the pain and suffering in this world. And you have assigned to him, sometimes what we do is we assign to him responsibility for things that are merely the result of the sin and suffering that this world is encased in. And he wants to rescue you from that. And meanwhile, you're blaming him for it. And so when our hearts are out of sync with him, we're not seeing your life, you're not seeing your world the way he does. And you get frustrated and you get angry. There's a sixth problem. When my heart is out of sync with his heart, I am unable to hear what God is saying to me. I'm unable to hear what God's saying to me. As we read the whole verse, it says, And God said to Jonah in verse 9, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. Now what's significant about this is that this is the second time that God has questioned Jonah, saying, Is it right for you to be angry? Second time. Now when God does something a second time with you or with me, you and I need to pay attention. Because obviously Jonah is missing the point. Jonah is not understanding what God is trying to tell him. Why are Jonah's circumstances the way that they are? Why did the storm come up? Why did the fish swallow him? Why did it vomit him on the dry land? Why didn't he destroy Nineveh? Why is all of this stuff going on? And he's angry about it. And God's saying, Jonah, let's talk about your anger. We can put this away. We can change your life. You can be a different kind of a man. You can be happy. You can be freed from discouragement. You don't have to be angry. Let's talk about your anger. And God zeroes in on it. Emotion is interfering with Jonah's ability to hear God. God wants Jonah to think, is it right for you to be angry? He wants Jonah to think about his emotions, to think about what he's feeling. To not be reactive, but to be reflective. To think, to look at his circumstances, to look at, listen to what God is saying. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, again, this is not on the screen. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For the wrath of the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When God wants to change you, he doesn't do it through your emotions. He does it through your mind. He wants you to be slow to speak and slow to anger because he wants you to be quick to listen. And when you're talking and when you're angry, you're not listening. Uh, let me give you a tip. If someone's really upset with you and uh, they're going off on you, don't try to reason with them at that moment. 
you are wasting your time. The very first objective when you're, when you're dealing with a very angry man or a very angry woman is to bring the thermostat down. And that may mean you just got to walk away. Because why? Because they're not listening. And, and James understands that God changes you through your thinking. It's your mind that needs to be renewed. And if your thoughts change, if your mind changes, your emotions are going to follow. But so much of the time, you and I are creatures of emotion. When emotions control you, your mind shuts down. And God speaks to you primarily through your thinking and not your feeling. So when he's out of fellowship with God, when his heart is not right with God, he is missing out on what God's telling him. He can't see his circumstances and know what God is saying. He can't discern around him what God is doing. He just out of control. Finally, number seven, when my heart is out of sync with his heart, I love what God hates, and I hate what God loves. I get it all backwards. I love what God hates, and I hate what God loves. I mean, the situation becomes exactly what we talked about earlier. Here's the heart of God. Here's my heart. And God wants to go this way. I want to go this way. God wants to go to this person. I don't want to go to that person. God hates this practice or this sin, and I run to that practice or that sin. And, and, and my whole attitude, my whole direction, the things that I love become the things that God hates. The things that I hate becomes actually things that I love. Jonah hated Nineveh. Jonah hated Nineveh. God loved Nineveh. Look at verse 10. And this is the concluding speech in the whole book. And it comes from God. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. I mean, just a plant, Jonah. A plant. I made the plant. You didn't make it. I made the people of Nineveh. You didn't make the people of Nineveh. This plant just came up in a night, was gone in a day. These people, I've known them their whole lives. I've known them from all eternity. They are precious to me. Verse 11, should I not pity Nineveh? Should I not pity Nineveh? You pitied a plant. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? God cares and loves about animals, but we'll talk about that another time. People, 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right. A lot of scholars and commentators will tell you that's a reference to children. And, and perhaps it is. I can't be dogmatic about this, but nowhere else in the Bible is that expression used. What is he describing? He's talking about people who have no moral compass. They're completely out of touch with God and what is right and what is wrong. They don't have the Old Testament scriptures. All they had was the message that Jonah preached. And they turned. They responded. They came to God. And so what is he saying to them? Well, they need direction. They need guidance. They need teaching. They don't know their left hand or right. What do you need your left hand or right for? Well, you need it for directions. It's on the left. It's on the right. They have no direction. Completely no moral guidance. And he says, shouldn't I have pity on people like that? They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. God has compassion on people who are lost and who can't find their way. And we are to feel and care the same way. The greatest, the greatest problem Jonah had was a heart problem. He hates Ninevites, but God loves them. He loves to see the hammer of justice fall, but God delays it and delays it and delays it and delays it. Why? Because he loves them. 
Some of you want to see God change your friend. Make them into a different kind of person. You want to see God change America. And I hear it all the time. People say, we need to pray that God changes America. What you and I need to understand is that the thing that may be holding up the change in America are all the Jonas in the pews. Are we the kind of people that where God can grip our heart? Grip our heart. Is my heart in sync with his heart? Do I love what he loves and hate what he hates? Am I willing to go to the Ninevites? The people I don't like. The people who do things that offend me. The people who say things that offend me. Am I willing to go to them and love them the way God sent Jonah to Nineveh? He always begins with you and me first. If God's going to change Win Arkansas, he's going to start with those who know God in Win Arkansas. That's where he starts. Starts with you. Starts with me. There are three things that have impressed me about our study over the last seven weeks. First one is that God's ability to use a runner. I mean, you follow the story of Jonah and he is running and resisting God throughout the entire book. And the mariners on board the ship, you remember what happened to them? After Jonah was thrown overboard and the sea went calm, what did they do? They began to worship Yahweh. The mariners turned to God. When Jonah went and preached a message to a people he didn't love, he didn't even want to preach the message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. What happened to the people of Nineveh? They turned to God. They believed God, it says, and they turned to him. He was more successful as an unwilling evangelist than most people are on purpose. God can use you and me even though our hearts are not fully right with him. You hear me? You don't have to be perfect to share your faith with someone. You don't have to be perfect and have it all together to share your life and your belief in God with someone. And God uses a runner. He can use you. If you're not running, especially, he can use you. And so don't ever feel like that you are so uh, unqualified that you can't share your heart for Jesus with someone else. I'll tell you something else that I see in this story is God's patience with a runner. Not only can he use anybody anytime, anywhere, but he, can, he is patient with a runner. I mean, how patient would you have been with Jonah if you were God? He's running the other way. I mean, how many of us that say, well, they left, good Goodbye, Jonah. We'll get somebody else. We'll, we'll find somebody else to sign up. They don't want to be here? Fine. We won't pursue them. We'll just let them go. Uh, how many times would you and I have been in a situation where we know the right thing to do and we want to send somebody to go do the right thing in relationship to someone and, and he blows you off? That's what Jonah did. I don't want to go to Nineveh. And he grudgingly goes in there and says, all right, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And, and, and God has patience with him. And then when Nineveh turns to God, and we have this chapter 4 where all Jonah does is whine and complain and gripe, and he's angry. He's out of his mind with emotion and anger and discouragement and unhappiness. And what does God do? He comes to him not once but twice, and then even a third time he speaks to him. He says, Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Buddy, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Do you think God's given up on you? He hasn't. 
He is incredibly patient with you. If you're here this morning, you're breathing. You have the opportunity to turn your life over to him. He is not finished with you. He loves you. And he is patient through eternity. And he seeks you. And he pursues you. And he loves you. I'll tell you the last thing that impresses me about this story is God's power <clears throat> God's power to change a runner into a follower. And you say, well, where do you see that? Well, I see it in the way the book ends. I mean, the book ends kind of abruptly, doesn't it? But the book ends with very personal and private details about, about Jonah and his conversations with God and what God was saying to him that no one else had access to except who? Jonah. Jonah. I believe with all my heart that Jonah wrote the book called Jonah and that he gave this information because at some point that we're not aware of, his heart shifted. His heart changed. And he became aware and conscious of what God was doing. You know, it was about 50 years after this that a whole new generation was raised up in Nineveh. And they came and completely destroyed the northern tribes of Israel. Completely destroyed. But there was a generation, <clears throat> and there was a moment in time where thousands of people were changed through the preaching of one man. And, and what impressed Jonah more than anything else is not just the power of God to change them, but what God did in his own life and what God did in his own heart. You say, well, God can't do anything with me. God took a, a pouty prophet and changed him into a man of God. And he can change your life. No matter where you are, no matter what your attitude is, no matter how angry you are, no matter what you've done, if he can save Ninevites, he can save you. If he can change a Jonah, he can change you. Please don't make any excuses. All he does is he, he calls you to come to himself and to turn to him. <clears throat> so your story's being written. It's still being written. The book ends the way it ends because the idea is for you to look at your own life and your story is still being written. Is your heart in sync with God's heart? Then you're changing. Is your heart out of sync with God's heart? Then in one way or another, you're running. Here's the bottom line. If my heart is not changing, then I am still running. If my heart is not changing, then I am still running. God wants to change your heart, your attitude towards people. When's the last time that you can look in your life and say, man, I used to do these things, I used to say these things, I used to have this attitude, and God has changed me. What kind of testimony could you give today to his power to change your life? How has he changed you? What's he working on? If you and I were to have an honest heart-to-heart -heart conversation, and I was to say to you, what, what is God teaching you? What's God showing you? Could we have that conversation? Would you have something to talk about? That's the story of Jonah. That's the story that's being written in your life. If you don't know Christ today, I want to invite you to come and put your trust in him. The beginning point is to put your trust in Christ who died for your sins. Your sins are separating you from God. It is your sins that keep your heart from being united with God. It's your sin that's driving you away from the heart of God. And when you put your trust in Christ, the Bible says he forgives your sins and he unites you 
He unites you with God, unites you with the heart of Christ. And not only that, but the Spirit of Jesus comes to live in you, and so he forgives you for your sins, but he also gives you a new nature. And he begins to change you from the inside out. And he wants to change you from being a runner to a follower, someone who knows him, someone who's becoming like him. Is that your heart cry today? In just a moment, when we stand and sing, I want to invite you to boldly, without any hesitation or shame, I want to invite you to come out of the balcony, come out of the pews on the floor, and come. Take one of these pastors by the hand and say, I want to trust Christ today. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want a new life. And if you just need someone to pray with you, I don't know how God has spoken to your heart, but if you're, if you're struggling, if you're discouraged, if you're unhappy, if you're struggling with a Ninevite or two in your life and you just need someone to pray with you, I invite you to come. The pastors will pray. You can grab a friend. You can come pray at the front. Use this response time as a way of responding, not to what I've said, but what is God saying to your heart? Pray with me. Father, this time is for you. What we do in the next few moments, we do for you. Thank you for speaking to us. Now, Father, I pray you would guide each of us as we respond. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.